Welcome to the inaugural season of the Bruin Shaver Sports Podcast, where for 30 minutes once a week, we talk about all the things that make us love sports, the games, the rivalries, and of course, the personalities. We are stoked that you're listening. And now, here's Ben and Darren. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. Thank you for joining us for yet another week. Uh, today is Tuesday, June 14th. Summer is in full swing, and we know that it's a little bit of a dry time, at least for those of us who love college football. And, and so we appreciate you sticking with us. Like you, we are looking forward. We are counting down the days till college football resumes. But before we get there, there is quite a bit to talk about in the sports world. And Darren, you and I have been talking about the incredibly exciting College World Series, the games that have brought us up to this point. This has really been fun to watch. It really has. It's been super exciting baseball. And you and I were talking a little bit beforehand. It's been really interesting to see baseball hit that that level of excitement, getting close to where it's in the, in the same place as a March Madness. Obviously, nothing is is equal to March Madness. It is its own event, but it really has been interesting to see kind of that ascension of college baseball. When you get into regionals and, and, and super regionals, there seems to be more and more each year people that maybe don't even follow it during the regular season start to follow it. And I got to tell you, this year's regionals and super regionals, they gave people something to watch. If you're a baseball fan, it doesn't matter if you had a team in it or not. There was some exciting baseball. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up comparing the college baseball postseason to March Madness because there is a lot of excitement. And what you said is seen in the fact that only two out of the top 10 teams have made it to the College World Series. Number yes. five, Texas A&M, and number nine, Texas. Joining them is Notre Dame, which knocked off top seed of Tennessee, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Arkansas. Now, now Darren, think about this. If Oklahoma and Texas had, had already made the move to the SEC, which they're planning to do in a few years, this would be an all-SEC College World Series with the exception of Notre Dame. It's interesting. We already hear these arguments and these complaints, really, when it comes to football. Oh, it's always just the SEC. It's always just the SEC. Well, now here we are in baseball. And, you know, you, you have to point out that Notre Dame made it in by beating the number one team in the country, Tennessee, which is an SEC team. Then you've also got Vanderbilt, who they were in the championship game last year against Mississippi State. Neither one of those two teams are, are there this year. Vanderbilt didn't have a typical year. Mississippi State had, had a very down year as compared to what their years have been in the past. So you've got some, some teams that are major players typically from the SEC that aren't even present, and you've still – got what would be the equivalent of an all-SEC College World Series in, in two or three years. And I just want to point out that it took you four minutes to mention Vanderbilt. <laughs> and, and I'm a little hurt that, that you didn't mention LSU with those traditional powers oh, from the SEC. So I was so focused on not kicking a man when they're down and how I mentioned Tennessee that I forgot about LSU. <laughs> yeah. And, and you did mention Tennessee before you mentioned Vanderbilt. And, and and all I mentioned was that they were the number one team and they got beat. That's all I said. I just want to point that out. <laughs> and and, and I, I am proud of you for your restraint. <laughs> it is, it is tough to have an incredible year 
and, and Vanderbilt fans have experienced it in basketball and in baseball, especially during those first years of those runs with Tim Corbin until we kind of finally broke through that that and started getting to the championship game and then, and then won the, the national championship. It is tough to have anticipation built all season long and not even make it to, to Omaha. No need to kick while somebody's down. I'll just, I'll just leave that be. <laughs> well, do you have, a, as you look at these, uh, the teams, the, the six teams that made it to the College World Series, do you have a favorite? It's, it's hard to say that you just absolutely, here's the team, just because of the very things we've talked about. But I, I got to tell you, I, I believe Oklahoma is strong. We talk about bold picks sometimes. This is one of those that, that may make me sound like I really know baseball or may make me sound dumb. I don't know. But Ole Miss to me is a little scary. Even if they've had a tough year, when they get rolling in the postseason, they become very difficult to deal with. Yeah. And, and much like March Madness, it goes to who is it that gets hot right. at the right time. Which I think also has to really give some credence to the possibility of Notre Dame coming out of nowhere. When you are riding a wave like they are riding, sometimes it becomes almost impossible to stop that wave. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, the thing that the, the commentators in the Tennessee-Notre Dame Super Regional kept talking about was Notre Dame's bats aren't typically as alive as they were. No doubt. I, I kind of like this Arkansas team. Yes. Um, but, boy, it, you know, it's been unpredictable so far. I think it's going to continue to be unpredictable. It's going to be fun to watch. You know, even if you're not a big baseball fan, uh, check it out because because trust yeah. us on this. This is this is really uh, entertaining. It's good sports, uh, good competition. You know, check it out. Yeah, it's it's kind of like just like you said with with March Madness. It becomes its own event, uh, and there's such an incredible atmosphere in Omaha that. Uh, it, it'll be worth the watch. You'll be glad you did. Now, to segue from baseball, we've got some football to talk about. But before we talk about football, let's go ahead and stop right now for this week in sports history. This week in sports history takes us to Oil City Park in Enos, Texas. This was the venue where the Corsicana Oil Cities beat Texarkana 51-3 on Sunday, June 15, 1902. The Oil Cities had to move the game there due to the Blue Laws in Corsicana at the time. The ballpark was a band box, with right field being anywhere from 140 feet to 210 feet from home plate, while the rest of the park was just as hitter-friendly. The game lasted two hours and ten minutes. The Oil Cities scored 51 runs on 59 base hits, including 20 home runs. Texarkana, however, collected three runs and no home runs. Justin Clark knocked eight home runs in eight at-bats. The 51 runs by Corsicana are the most runs scored by a team for a single game in Texas league history. Oh, thank you. So we've got some football still to be played this summer, and that includes uh, the USFL, which Darren has been our expert analyst on the USFL, uh, telling us about what's happening, who's winning, who's doing well. And Darren, I believe the playoffs are actually set now. Uh, yes, that is correct. The After this last week's uh, games, the field is completely and totally set. They have two more weeks of regular season left. There's a week nine and a week 10. And then the first round games, uh, as of this weekend's action, will be 
the Birmingham Stallions, which are led by Skip Holtz, that are now 8-1, and one, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. And they will play the New Orleans Breakers, who were the final team to get in the, the playoffs. It should be an exciting, exciting game between those two th- teams defensively and offensively. The second game is the New Jersey Generals, who are also 8-1, and one, and they'll be playing the Philadelphia Stars, who are 6-3. and three. So in both playoff games, you have 8-1 and one, uh, versus 6-3. and three. It should be some exciting games. All four of those teams have really been strong at different times. Of course, the, the Stallions and the Generals at 8-1, and one, you know, they started off the season. That, that was the very first game, those two teams against each other. And it was a great game, and, and those two teams set the pace. So it's really going to be fun to watch how those playoffs play out with all four of those teams really having some some excitement, having different things that they offer from the defensive and the offensive side of the ball. So that'll be a fun thing to watch. And that's really, you know, last week we talked about, you you said you were talking to some football fans that said it's just tough to watch because there's such a drop-off. Well, those four teams that everybody has in mind when they talk about the drop-off will will be gone once the playoffs start. So it should be some really exciting football. Uh, But I do also just want to mention that the Houston Gamblers were the team that handed the Birmingham Stallions their first and only loss of the season. Mm. And we have talked for two or three weeks about the Gamblers and the heartbreak. I think they went on a three-week run. Uh, where they lost the game on the last play of the game. Uh, They had weeks outside of that uh, that they lost the game. uh, Just maybe it was in the last drive or the other team's last drive. They tried to to score to take the lead and couldn't. Different things. They had the lead in the fourth quarter for, for like seven of their games. Finally, this week, they got the lead and they kept it. And they beat a an undefeated team, which you hate to see that for the Birmingham Stallions. It would have been pretty cool to say that your first season was an undefeated season. But at the same time, for Kevin Sumlin and the, and the, the Gamblers, it was good to see them get a win. It had been heartbreaking to watch because they play good football. They really mm-hmm. have. It just It's fallen apart in the fourth quarter every single week. So, so that was exciting to at least see that happen. Yeah, always good to get that first win when you come so close and fall short. Um, boy, that's good for them going into next season. Yes, definitely. Darren, aren't these games being played at a different location? Yes, they will be. Uh, they will be at Tom Benson uh, Stadium there in uh, Ohio and Canton at the Hall of Fame, which is a pretty cool thing for them to do. That's that's exciting that, that that'll be so to be the first round, the two first round games and then the championship game will take place there at, at that stadium. Uh, and it'll be over two different weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, speaking of football and, and something just um... Uh, you talking about the USFL triggered this in my mind. I started thinking about David Neesmith, who we had on our show a few times, retired college football referee. And you were talking to him recently, and and he had a trivia question for you. He did, and I'm going to ask you, I'm not going to participate in it because I have already Googled, uh, and that would be cheating. And as we learned from having David on the show, he is not afraid to throw a flag. (laughs) So we we do not want that to happen. But here's the question that David threw out that I wanted to throw out to you. Think of in all of uh, Division I college football, what teams are there that their team name does not end in an S? 
you you really got to think about that because the first like five or six names that you go through, mm-hmm. uh, even if you even if you you know go to the, to some of the things we've talked about tonight, you know the Vanderbilt Commodores, that's an S. Tennessee Volunteers, that's an S. Arkansas Razorbacks, that's it. it, it you think it's not going to be that complicated until your mind starts running and it's kind of like wait a minute, are there teams, you know? So, <laughs> so I, I, I've talked about yeah. it for just a moment to kind of let you think, are there any teams that kind of pop into your head? Uh, you know, the, probably the one that everybody will guess is Alabama crimson tide. Yes. That's a pretty obvious one. And then a second one, you know, being from Louisiana, I'd have to say the Tulane green wave. Very good. Very good. That was one of the first ones that popped in my head. I guess it's the Louisiana connection. So mm-hmm. that was one of the first ones that popped into my head. So those are two good ones. So let's leave it at that. So what we're going to do or, or what we want to ask is if you're listening to this, uh, as you listen to this, think about it. Don't Google it because we'll get David to throw a flag <laughs> on you as well. Okay. So don't Google it. But as you're listening to this, be thinking about what teams, what teams can you come up with if their team name doesn't end in an S? Send us an email. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, you know, th- throw some of those names out there at us, either one of those ways. And also, uh, if you listen on Spotify, we can ask kind of an open-ended question. We'll ask this exact question, and you can respond to it, and we'll get notified that you have uh, responded. And we'll share, even if you do that on, on Spotify and you don't, uh, or email, uh, and you don't necessarily do Twitter or any kind of social media, we're going to share those answers a- as they come in. We'll throw out some of those teams. Uh, so we wanted to get your feedback on that, and uh, we appreciate David uh, throwing that question out. It's been a good one. It's definitely a brain teaser. You have to really think about it to start getting into some names. It's a great question, and yes. uh, it, it's great to have fun to, to see you know, how many can we come up with? How many can our listeners come up with uh, on that list? It's going to be fun to see the response to that. Uh, Now, speaking of fun, Darren, um, summertime for a lot of us, particularly in the South means at some point, a trip to the beach. Yes, yes, yes. And so that got us thinking as we were talking about this, because this is something that you and I both enjoy doing every summer. What are some of your favorite things to do at the beach? I'll turn this back on you. Or, well, I guess I shouldn't do that. I started to say I'll turn <laughs> it back on you, but you had to answer the other question first, didn't you? So I'll yeah. answer this one first. Let's see. Favorite things to do at the beach. I tell you, honestly, this is going to probably just give away my age. Well, I'll start with one that doesn't necessarily do that. I, I like, I'm not a big swim in the ocean kind of guy. But there is something to be said about that moment when you first step into the water and you've got the, the heat of the beach, but then all of that coolness that's, that's on your legs. And as you step further down into it, that to me, I, I've always just loved that first time you kind of step down into the water. A- after you get there, you get there in the morning or even if you do it in the evening, whatever it is. To me, that's really one of the enjoyable things of the beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, How about you? I, I agree with you. That is a that's a wonderful feeling. Um, I love watching the pelicans. I love looking at the dolphins mm-hmm. as they jump out yes. of the water. But if I'm going to be completely honest with you, Darren, it's it's the seafood. Oh, yeah. I eat so much fish and shrimp while I'm at the beach. I just It's just delicious. And, and, you know, you can't good fresh shrimp. You just can't beat. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't necessarily – I can – fish has to be – done a certain way for me to really enjoy it but shrimp man you just can't beat 
good fresh shrimp. It is, yeah. you know, even if you're, what's the, I can't remember the character's name, but you know, Bubba Gump, even mm-hmm. if you list off a thousand different ways, I probably like them all. <laughs> I enjoy yeah. good fresh shrimp. Mm-hmm. So, and, and one of the, my favorite places in the world is down at Gulf Shores, uh, Alabama at the hangout. I, Cause it's, you got oh, the yeah. combination of really good food. They're, they're grouper. If you, if you like grouper, mm-hmm. terrific. And plus you're always going to have live music. There's always going to be a band playing every night. And it's a really great vibe. It's actually right there on the beach, right where Highway 59 ends. And it's a, it's one of my favorite places to hang out at. And I know we're talking about seafood, but the hangout also has pretty incredible burger too. They mm-hmm. have their their burgers are really, really yeah. good. Well, and I tell you, one of our uh, places that that we enjoy in that Gulf, uh, down in that Orange Beach area, is you know Acme Oyster House. Mm. Uh, that's based out of New Orleans. They now have a location there, and mm-hmm. that is really, really good. We're we're fans of, of Acme or Oyster House in New Orleans, anyway. But mm-hmm. it's it's really good when you're there, and you can just it's a short drive away from the beach. It's good food to sit down and enjoy. Can't go and home it's hard food. to continue the podcast when we're thinking <laughs> yeah. about food. Now I just want shrimp. That's what I know. <laughs> well, if, if you have some favorite places at the beach, uh, and you're listening. Um, go ahead and hit us up on Twitter, send us yes. an email, go to the, the link tree, um, contact us. We'd love to hear what are your favorite things yes. to do at the beach. So, Definitely. Um, hope, hope we get some good responses on that. I'm looking forward to those. Me too. Uh, but one conversation that we want to make sure that we spend a few moments addressing tonight, and we've already talked about it a few times earlier, is the continuing fluid situation known as NIL. Uh, we, we've talked about the problems and we've talked about what's happening and um, what can be done about it. And Darren, you've actually put a lot of thought into this and you have come up with a possible solution uh, that might be just so crazy that it could work. Possibly. I, I at least want to throw it out there. And, and, and of course, please jump in at, at any moment, uh, Ben, and, and, and throw your thoughts on it or anything that you see that we might be able to do, do a little bit different or, or could help out even more. You know, I've really been thinking about how the NIL has been described as the Wild West. And, and it really is what it's turned into when anybody can write a check for any amount. You know, it's like, it's like the extreme of nobody can do anything, and if you do something, we're going to give you the death penalty. That didn't work, so they decided to go to the other extreme, like we've talked about. And so my thought process has been, what about finding a place in the middle? You know, why, why does it have to be extremes? Uh, and so I, what made me, or, or the thought process that I started kind of running down, just having a, a moment of just, well, what about this? was what if we put it back in the school's hands and which would make it easier to regulate from an NCAA perspective. And if you are on full scholarship, the school will give you a, a annual or a semester based, basically what would be the equivalent of a, um, it would be a paycheck, but you wouldn't necessarily work for the school. That would be some of the things that would have to be worked out. It'd almost be like a stipend. And if you, the average, I looked up some st- statistics. The average, if you look across all schools in Division One uh, athletics, 
and you look at all of the levels of different cost of the scholarships, the average scholarship is $18,000. So why not just throwing it out as as an idea or as a possibility, why not make that the salary cap that we've talked about and the people have joked about? So if you were on full scholarship and it does not matter if you play at Ole Miss, Penn State, Oklahoma, or Tulane, or Bowling Green, big or small, irrelevant. If you are on full scholarship and you are playing at that school, then you get a stipend or whatever kind of legal jargon it has to be classified as of $9,000 a semester. And everybody gets that across the board. If you are on a half scholarship, it's $4,500 a semester. If it's a quarter scholarship, it's $2,200 a semester or $2,250. And this is not a mandate of you have to give them $9,000, but this is a cap. So Mm -hmm. if you are Bowling Green, you don't have the resources that Alabama does. But you at least have the opportunity to go out and raise money and can offer something outside of cost of living. And ultimately, truthfully, at the end of the day, if you are Bowling Green, if you are, uh, I just keep saying that because it's the first one that popped in my head. Uh, you know, some of those schools that are that are on that 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 they're non, they're not even in the group of five. You, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're that next that that lower echelon, for lack of a better term. You still have that opportunity to go out and raise that money and try to give yourself an advantage, but you're not recruiting against Alabama, so it really that you, you're not. You, you still gives you an opportunity to try to recruit against the other schools that you're going to be playing together mm-hmm. uh, against. But in addition to that, I think it's unfair to just limit it to the people that are on full scholarship. Full scholarship. I think that even those that uh, quali- that make the team, like preferred walk-ons in uh, football, you know, the, the three walk-on spots that are available in basketball, I, I think there should be a stipend there. That should probably be, you know, somewhere in the, the, the couple of thousand dollars a semester uh, is the max that can be offered if you're a walk on. But you still get something. Mm-hmm. I, and I think this also gives us an opportunity to expand this out to be the very thing that, that we talked about. Uh, if if you have local businesses that want to utilize a player uh, that or even national businesses, if you are in Alabama or in Ohio State. That is your opportunity to use that as a fundraiser and they can contribute to this fund. And then working through the school can schedule autograph signings, can, you know, whatever those things, appearances and stuff like that. So you still have all of those opportunities, but it is capped. The, the amount of money, you know, you're going to be looking at not all schools are the same, but you're going to be looking at somewhere between 200 depending on what level of school it is, between 200 and, and, and 500 Division I athletes per school, okay? So you're looking at an 8 to $9 million pool a year. That sounds like a big number when you start talking about the, some of the smaller schools, but when you couch it this way, I think it kind of gives them an opportunity uh, to, to use these things that are the wild, wild west to the advantage of the school and ultimately to the advantage of the athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now for the bigger schools, uh, if you are the SEC that's going to have a $1 billion revenue stream starting in 2025, I, I don't ever want to hear you complain about a $9 million budget. Now, I know mm-hmm. the budgets ultimately are going to be bigger than that because you have to have people that are going to regulate 
that, that are going to be responsible for making thing, making sure that everything is done above board. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think this at least gives the opportunity to, to pull back on that wild, wild west, put a salary cap on it, and put it back in the school's hands instead of just, just being an absolute free-for-all. Because to me, still one of the scariest things about the NIL is the fact that you've got an 18, 19-year-old kid signing a million-dollar contract, even though he's never stepped on the field possibly, with a local business. And if that kid tanks, which as we talked about you know, last week when we were talking about the transfer portal, that first year is a tough year for mm-hmm. a lot of kids. If you tank and you've got a business that's already written you a check, that has to be an issue. A rather large issue and has the potential to, to have a very uh, an ugly side to it. Mm-hmm. And to me, this eliminates that direct contact between player and business. Mm-hmm. It makes it route through the school once again, which to me is something that makes more sense. And, and to me, it's another layer of protection for the student athlete. Truthfully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like your ideas and I like uh, the, uh, the, uh, the emphasis on trying to level the playing field. Uh, yeah. What Darren is, is there any feasibility feasibility to, if a player stays four years, plays all four years that he can, and he earns his degree that he can graduate with no debt. Oh, I, I think that should be definitely be something that should be considered and looked at. Uh, I, I think that that could be something that's done kind of in the full cost of attendance. Uh, you know, I, I think that should be uh, something that happens across the board uh, no matter what. If you play your four years, and to me, uh, I think if you play your four years and you commit to it, it's real easy to talk about that from a football perspective. But what about baseball? What about swimming? Mm-hmm. What about, uh, you know, track and field and mm-hmm. softball and tennis? And, you know, it's crazy to think about the things that, that schools have to do because of NCAA regulation. You know, you know, a baseball team can have 11 and a half scholarships. So when you look at that, that doesn't mean that only 11 guys have a full scholarship and a half guy, you know, has a, a guy has a half. That means that this, the guy playing first place could have a full ride and the guy second playing second base has a quarter scholarship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think, I think this opens up that opportunity or, or what we're talking about to expand that full cost of it, of attendance uh, without necessarily getting into how many scholarships each, each sport has uh, and, and opens up opportunities for the very thing that you were talking about, that we can look at that from a school perspective without it necessarily being a, a paycheck. Yeah. I, I think I that's a very feasible thing. I agree with you completely on, I don't think these kids should be millionaires. Yeah. Um, I, I think you have a very reasonable uh, plan here. Uh, but I also, you know, this is a hot topic right now. Uh, kids leaving college saddled with an enormous amount of debt. And yep. if there's some way that we can do something through athletics, at least to start this, um, yep. where where we can, th- this is going to turn into a national crisis. Um, and so um, that, that was going through the numbers. Um, but Darren, let me ask you this. What, what does this do to the transfer portal? Well, to me, I think one of the things that, that it could do, uh, for me personally, I, I think it would be a very great opportunity to uh, say, 
that we are now going to examine in addition to the now that we've we've scaled back NIL, we're going to examine the transfer transfer portal and the true effect that it has on the athlete, on, on the, the, the student athlete. And I, I think when you have students that are now uh, working on a stipend, whatever the legal jargon is, like I said, that where you are, there's an obligation to the school on the student's behalf and there's a, a further obligation. And there's also a further obligation from the school, from the school to the student. I, I think there's an opportunity to expand uh, and, and, you know, just thinking off the top of my head, you're talking about the, the whole debt, you know, getting rid of canceling out debt and stuff like that. M- maybe this goes hand in hand with where that goes, could go hand in hand with what I'm about to say. I think they should look at the opportunity for a student to be under contract with their scholarship and, and this stipend. And it's a contract that goes both ways. Again, you're protecting the school and the student athlete because how many student athletes, especially in the larger scale sports, your, your larger revenue score sports that get the, that garner the most attention, your basketball, your, your men's and, and women's basketball, your, your football, how many athletes are pushed out of a school because their scholarship is no longer going to be, they know that it's, it's just not, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. You might have a scholarship, but nothing's going to happen. So if, if we looked at the possibility of a contract between the school and the student that says they're not going anywhere. And uh, the, the school is saying you have the opportunity to attend here and play here. You know, you're, you're going to do exactly what you've been recruited to do uh, because of this expansion of, of everything that we're talking about from the school's perspective. I think that really limits the effect of the transfer portal. But I also think that every contract has to, the whole reason the transfer thing is a huge topic that the contract has to include an exemption of if your coach leaves, you have the opportunity to transfer. Because that's, to me, that's, that's just as unfair to a, to a student athlete. To be 18 years old, buy into everything that that coach is telling you, or even your assistant coach, whether it be your QB coach, your O coordinator, your D coordinator, whoever, you buy absolutely into what they're selling you you're on campus for a year, or in some cases, you don't even make it to campus. Mm-hmm. And that person that sold you on the program has packed up the program and taken it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. At that moment, no matter what contract is in place, there should be an exemption and there's an, an absolute, uh, without uh, any form of parameters, a one-time transfer, you enter the portal, you can go where you want to go. I, I think that absolutely has to be there. To, to, because if you don't include that, the very protection that we're talking about, you've just completely eliminated. You've got an 18-year-old kid, 19-year-old kid locked into a contract uh, that the adult didn't even honor, and now they're stuck. That, that to me, that's not fair. You have to include that ex- ex- exemption. Yeah, I, I agree totally. There needs to be some accountability for coaches um, yes. who work so hard to convince a player to go. And I know you can't guarantee that you're going to be there, but you know, from personal experience, uh, when my son went to play college football, every year he had a different head coach and a different defensive coordinator. Good gracious! And that that's a lot of upheaval. Yeah, absolutely. And I know I know coaches, particularly when you get to the lower division one. 
you get to D2, D3, NAI, um, they're trying to climb the ladder. Right. Absolutely. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but you, you got to players have to be able to, to then leave without any kind of penalty. Yes. And, and to me, that's, that's the intention. I think it's just like we talked about with NIL. I think that's the intention of the transfer portal, but it has become again, that wild, wild west that now is it really protecting the student athlete or, or is it become something that's of a, potential of even more danger to the student athlete because like we said how many how many people how many kids right now are sitting at home in the transfer portal that probably aren't even going to be in school next year yeah so so it didn't do what it was intended to do for them good point and and i think that's something that has to be considered Mm -hmm. and i i want to be the first to cast my vote for darren as the new ncaa commissioner I think I would be run off in a week. Let's be honest. <laughs> it might be a fun week. <laughs> it would be a good, I, I'd try to get a lot done in a week. How's that? <laughs> well, that's a lot to think about and process. And we'll keep talking about NIL and possible yes. solutions and, and also uh, keeping you up to date on the latest news uh, as we hear from around the NCAA uh, about this, this particular issue. Uh, yes. But, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep our ear to the ground on that. But until then, uh, you know, keep watching the uh, College World Series. If you like basketball, Definitely. the NBA Finals is, is still going on, and that's a really competitive uh, series. Uh, there's a lot to enjoy. If you're going to the beach, remember, tell us your favorite things to do at the beach. We'd love to hear yes. from you. And don't forget the uh, trivia question uh, that Darren shared via David Neesmith about teams that have mascots that don't end in the letter S. Yes. So uh, until next week, remember new episodes drop every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. You can listen at any time on your favorite podcast platform. And, and, and would you do us a huge favor? Would you, would you go in and rate us? And we'd love for you to rate us five stars, but that really helps us this podcast gained traction. And when people are looking for a a podcast about college football or sports, that helps us uh, appear on those lists. So if you would please go in and rate us, uh, that would be wonderful. Darren, you want to remind people again, how they can, how, how they can get in contact with us. Uh, Yes. If you, the easiest thing to do is it doesn't matter where you're listening, whatever uh, platform podcast platform that you're listening on if you'll just click when you see the show notes click on more that'll expand it to the full description of the show and at the very bottom of that will be our link tree link and that will give you the opportunity to click on twitter to send us an email to look at the blog anything like that and it's just as easy as that one click you go to link tree and then you see the different options take just a couple of seconds and you'll be there doing whichever it is you would like to do whatever form of communication and we'd love for you to do that we'd love to hear from you absolutely so until next week uh, y'all y'all take care have a great week <laughs>